So, good evening, everyone. Are you all comfortable? Every evening at 7.15, we're going to be doing a heart practice. And it's really helpful if we can be comfortable when we do these heart practices. So I know it's already been a long day of practice. And just the encouragement to use the chair if you'd like, to find whatever way you need to just feel a little more supported. Because I know it's already been a lot of sitting today, a lot of walking too. And how's the sound in the back? Can you hear me in the back? Okay. So as I said, at this time every day we'll be offering a particular kind of heart practice. And in this particular early Buddhist Theravadan tradition, there are classically four. Four different ones, and that works perfectly because we have four evenings. And so this evening I'd like to offer an overview of all of them and to speak a little more in-depth and the first practice of metta, metta or loving kindness is how it's often translated, loving kindness. You might have noticed that it says metta above the, the entryway here in this building. I think it used to be a monastery, so they had like the brothers, you know, whatever kind of monastery it was. But when Joseph and Sharon and Jack and Jacqueline bought this building, Almost exactly 48 years ago, 48 years ago tomorrow, they, uh, they changed the sign so that it just says metta above the door. So metta, loving kindness. Sometimes loving kindness can feel like kind of a creaky translation. What does that mean? So other words that to me feel more evocative of this sense of the heart can be just a simple responsiveness. Goodwill, goodness. Uh, Lately, I've really been using this word friendliness a lot. This kind of friendliness, like greeting ourselves like we're a good friend. Greeting the moment like it's a good friend. Just like Jess was speaking so beautifully earlier today. Like love, love, friendliness, warmth, responding, care, goodwill. And when we come down to the very bare bones of this, sometimes when we talk about loving kindness or being kind, you know, we have this programming of, oh, I'm supposed to be nice. Supposed to be a nice person. Everybody here seems so nice, friendly. But the bare bones of loving kindness or this responsiveness of the heart is already here, already in you. And you can feel it in the ways that we adjust our posture. That's a wanting to be a little more comfortable, caring for the body. You can feel it in the ways when we're in silence and we're navigating space together. And probably you felt how sometimes that can be awkward. You know, there's that little curve when you go from the coat room out into the hallway and it's like, who's there and how are we navigating and lines and stuff in the dining room. But generally, it's a little awkward because we're trying to take care of ourselves and take care of other people, right? And there's a kind of responding. Oh, there's another body in the room. Let me see how I can care and move. Right? To take care. 
to attend to, attending to ourselves, attending to others, the very natural embodied kind of responsiveness. So these heart practices are not so much about becoming a friendlier person, or becoming a nicer person, or a more compassionate person, more joyful, none of that. It's really like clearing out whatever's in the way so that your natural responsiveness of the heart can come forward. And we often talk about this metaphor where when we do the heart practices, it's like running a magnet over your heart. And so it pulls out all the broken pieces, all the bits of metal and shard and stuff that needs to come out. It's purification, really, of the heart. And so that can mean that when we do the heart practices, we might not always feel love. We might feel anger or resentful or numb often. We kind of freeze sometimes. The territory of the heart has a lot going on in there. You might have noticed even today. Any unattended grief that's waiting in the wings to be felt. Sometimes rage can come when we're doing heart practices. And none of this is wrong. You know, we're going to find all kinds of ways to make ourselves wrong. But when we do all of these different ones, if we hit up against some of these edges, it's a good sign, actually. It means the practice is working because it's pulling out all this. And even like not feeling anything, that's also part of the practice. It's really, this is an intentional practice. So it's much less about what you feel and more about holding it with this overarching sense of goodwill, good intention of trust. Trusting our own natural responsiveness. That this is just part of being a human in a body with a heart and a mind. We have this already. So we do need to sift down through the layers some when we're doing heart practices. We do encounter fear. We encounter loneliness. All these parts, you know, one frame. Jess was talking about internal family systems. We can look at how we've been splintered. We have all these wounded parts, all these invisible parts. And this practice is that it's actually about honoring those. It's like loving ourselves back into wholeness. So we have to encounter the parts that feel shame, the parts that feel alone, the parts that feel unworthy. This practice, all these heart practices are about honoring those, seeing them, allowing them, holding them holding them with care, this good intention, even if we don't necessarily feel so kind towards the ragey teenager inside or the one who's all wrapped up in shame and guilt. This is the practice we're learning. We're learning to hold, learning to befriend. So our teacher, Joseph, Joseph lives right next door, and he's on a three-month retreat right now. He's about halfway So sometimes when we're walking back and forth, I just tap into like, oh, benefiting from his practice a little bit. You can feel his good energy maybe. So Joseph, this is what he says. He says, on the relative level, love and compassion are states that we cultivate. On the ultimate level, they're the responsive nature of the mind itself. So this is a little bit what we're talking about. It's similar to that effortless effort we've been naming. That, yeah, we intentionally cultivate this. We're going to do this 
intentionally every evening now, you can do it all week long if you want. Because it's, an, it's important to incline, to incline towards these beautiful qualities of the heart. And the more we do it, the more we trust that it's innate. So these four, you've got metta as a basic kind of goodness, friendliness. And when that goodwill is turned towards suffering, it becomes karuna or compassion. So it's like metta. It's made of the same stuff, but it's a different flavor. It's this wish, oh, I want to be free of suffering. I want you to be free of suffering. So it's simply goodwill that's turned towards suffering. Then the same goodness, when it's turned towards happiness and joy in ourselves and others, it becomes mudita, this kind of appreciative joy, gratitude, celebration. I'm happy that you're happy. It can become a kind of sharing sense of like, oh, when there's happiness and goodness in the world, I can benefit from that and I'm happy. May your many blessings continue. Celebratory joy. And then the same goodwill, when it has this wide wisdom view, long view, taking the big kind of perspective, the overview, it becomes upeka, upeka, or equanimity. Equanimity, it's this, uh, the literal meaning of upeka means to look over. So this very wide, broad understanding of how time works, of impermanence, of how we go through all of our ups and downs is what life is about. It sees all of these, and it can hold it with a kind of steadiness. It's not disengaged. It's not indifferent. It's very connected, but there's a kind of steady mountain-like quality to equanimity that can take in all of the vicissitudes of life. So I often like to share this, uh, it's kind of a poem, a teaching from my teacher and friend, Caroline Jones, who's the resident teacher at the Forest Refuge. She wrote this with her colleague, Paul Burroughs. You might just listen carefully to the way that she outlines these four and how they relate. Let's see if you can get a sense of these, like they're four different ice cream flavors. See if you can sense that. So, metta. The love that connects is an antidote to all forms of aversion. It's not attachment. If it slides into sentimentality, karuna brings the heart back into balance. Karuna, the love that responds, is an antidote to cruelty. This is compassion. It's not pity. If it slides into sorrow... Mudita, or joy, brings the heart back into balance. Mudita, the love that celebrates, is an antidote to envy. It's not competitive. If it slides into agitated excitement, upeka brings the heart back into balance. Upeka, this equanimity, the love that allows, is the antidote to partiality. It is not indifference. If it slides into disconnection, metta brings the heart back into balance. So you can hear in that that they need each other. They balance each other. And they can kind of slide a little off course. 
We can slide into attachment or sorrow or this kind of overly stimulated exuberance or indifference or apathy. So we need them all to kind of keep us on track. And one good barometer I find is that each of the four, they all feel good. So if we're kind of stuck in like compassion, we really feel over burdened with grief and sorrow, that might mean that we need to bring in a little more joy. So you can kind of tune, attune to the body. doesn't mean you're not going to be feeling grief and sorrow when we're doing these practices, as I'm saying. We're running the magnet. But the body will feel a certain kind of uplift when you're in that territory of any of these four. You'll feel energy. You'll feel a kind of onward-leading sense. Oh, yeah, the heart. It's here. It's happening. So metta, we'll do some practice here. The cultivation of metta, this goodwill, friendliness. Nature is really a good source. I went out in the woods earlier and I saw lots of footprints, so I know many of you maybe have been out in the woods. The trees, have you noticed? They kind of have metta. Trees are a really good source of metta. The snow today felt like so soft. It was so gentle. Maybe some of you saw the sunset and the quality of light. So when we start to look, there's a metta in a lot of places. These flowers evoke a sense of metta. The sense that we're all here in silence doing this thing, there's so much metta already here. And sometimes what we need to do, it's just a sense of attunement. It's attuning. Just like Jess is saying, it's not abandoning. It's attuning to what's already here, the connection, the intimacy, the space that we're sharing. So usually with metta, we are advised to start with what's easy, And traditionally, what's easy would be ourselves. It's easy to wish ourselves well. But have you noticed how it's not? I think this is a really big part of dominant culture is that we're really conditioned not to care or hold ourselves with friendliness. We've got some metta happening right here, rescuing somebody. Thank you so much. (laughs) Hmm. We're so uh, trained to just offer and offer and give and give and give. And we feel like if we're looking at ourselves or offering ourselves care, it's a kind of narcissism or we're trained, oh, it's too selfish to do that. So we often come where our tank is very empty and we're just so trained, so conditioned to topple forward kind of in our care. So we were talking as a team and saying, oh, it's so important, actually. Each of us, a lot of it, a lot of the training has been like, oh, this one, this laboratory, I know this one pretty well. How would it be to actually start right here? To let ourselves receive. Because these heart practices are also just as much about receiving as they are about giving. So I'll tell you a story. This happened just a couple years ago. I've been in a, a, a long retreat 
really since COVID started, my partner and I had these plans and aspirations to complete a traditional three-and-a-half-year retreat in our, with our Tibetan teacher. And it wasn't quite traditional because of COVID and because we still had to make a living. So we were in semi-retreat for these past three-and-a-half years. And uh, two years ago, we were living up in the mountains in Oregon, very rustic in a cabin, no electricity, wood heat, and uh, mostly solitary. So he was in his tent, I was in a cabin, and we were kind of doing our own our own practice. And because we'd been there for some months and we were doing very intensive yogic practices in the Vajrayana, all of, I started hitting some very unexpected energetic stuff. I didn't really know what it was. So I was going along pretty good, keeping my schedule. And in the middle of the night, it was almost exactly two years ago in February, dark night, very wintry, my heart started doing this crazy palpitating thing palpating really and then it would stop for a minute be all this pounding and I did not know what was happening to me I didn't know like am I having a heart attack what is happening it didn't have a story to it it was just a very energetic and of course this brought up a lot of fear a lot of fear middle of the night alone it's like okay I have all these practices I have all these tools so I, I pulled out, I did the receiving care practice, and I did my breathing, and I did my yin yoga. I did so many different practices. And the heart kept doing this thing, especially at night. It was like these night terrors would come. So finally, after so many days of trying to work with it alone, there's no cell reception where I was, but if I climbed up this mountain, I could get reception. So I took my phone up there, turned my phone on. And before even, because I was really, I was mindful. I was like, am I breaking the rules? I'm not supposed to be doing this, but I'm scared and I don't know what's happening to my body. And so before I called my friend, what I remember doing is being up there on the mountain and just putting my body on the earth, like face first, (laughs) so that my heart could feel the earth. Just the solid weight just like lying there, full body on the earth. And I did have this sense of receiving. Like, okay, now that I I did have the compassion to think about, I'm going to go up the hill and call somebody, accompaniment. Often we need accompaniment, that kind of receiving care. It's like the compassion was more important than following the rules. That was important. But before even that, it's like I could receive the care of the earth. And it did. It was something like, instead of just me trying to hold this pounding heart, I could let the big earth hold it too, with me. There's something very powerful about that. And then I called my friend. Also felt compassionate. Plus, she was a doctor, and so she could tell me that I wasn't dying. So this kind of allowing myself to receive. It took me some time. But really allowing that sense of, okay, I can receive from the earth and I can receive from others. That felt like the braver thing than trying to go it alone. So we have to learn how to be held. And if it's parts work, or if it's this receiving care practice we're about to do, or if it's simply letting the breath breathe you 
and being held by your footprints as you walk. We're learning again and again how this system, how this uh, wholeness wants to be held and greeted and accompanied. So let's do, let's do a little bit of practice. And I offer this just for your, uh, as a tool in your box. So know that you can do this anytime. But first, we'll just get into a comfortable posture. Some, if, now I'm just going to say this, if your body needs to lie down, it's okay to lie down. So do what you really are feeling your body needs after a long day of practice. Make sure you're comfortable. And then as you get settled into your posture, maybe taking a couple of very deep breaths, breathing all the way down into the abdomen. Letting the exhale regulate your system, feeling that sense of grounding on the exhale. And then as your breath returns to normal now, really feeling your body as it is in this moment. And taking your time to move down from the thinking mind into the feeling belly. See if you can sense the center of your being in your abdomen, a little below your belly button. Feel the body as it is in this moment and notice how just this simple tuning your attention to this body is already connection. There's already a sense of care in this simple feeling the body as it is. Sometimes when we're very much connected to the body, just as Jess was saying, there can be this kind of intimacy with it, intimacy with the breath, intimacy with the posture, this very deep kind of befriending, befriending the body, just as it is.
And now as you stay in your body, I'll invite a kind of imagination now in your mind's eye. You might sense into this very creative capacity we have to remember. So we're going to imagine a moment going back, could just have been this week, could have been long ago, when you felt really cared for, really held. And this could be a moment with a dear person in your life, a family member, a caregiver, a parent, a child, someone who loves you a lot, a moment with them. But this caring moment could also simply be a time in nature, or even just sitting on your back porch, or in your yard, or in the garden, maybe by the ocean, just some moment that felt peaceful, when your body and heart and mind felt really seen, cared for, held. There's a kind of well-being and a kind of connection there. And it doesn't have to be the perfect moment or memory. Just see what swims up in your heart-mind. And when you find this particular caring moment, spend some time really inhabiting this moment again. So feeling the posture that your body was in in this moment of care. Maybe noticing the quality of light in this moment. And what it really felt like to be cared for by a person or an animal, a place in nature, just a sense of connection. Notice how it felt in your body and your mind. And if you're feeling numb or can't remember, that's okay too. Simply staying with this very warm attention in the body. But letting yourself feel this, it's a very felt sense, this responsiveness of receiving care in this moment. Whether it was from a body of water or a tree or a beloved person. See how it is to let yourself receive this care, this goodness, their love. Notice how the body responds. 
Now things can happen as we're receiving. We can feel distracted. We can feel closed. We might feel open, peace. Just letting whatever happens happen and staying with this moment, picturing it in your mind's eye and feeling it in your body. Just letting yourself learn about what it's like to receive, to receive goodness. See if you can notice other details about this moment, ones that you didn't notice before. And so if it feels right to continue, we just simply rest back into this memory. And we keep receiving this felt sense of care, of holding, tenderness. And if at any point we find we need a break, you can simply come back just to the felt sense of the body right now. And then return back. It's like the caring moment is your anchor. And we keep learning about receiving. So continue on in your own way, inhabiting your memory. We're just resting back with simple body awareness. We'll continue on just for a, a bit here in silence together.
And now just in the last few minutes of the practice, just inviting you to let go of any image, any effort, let go of the practice altogether. We're taking away any conceptual overlay and just letting your experience be very simple. You can let awareness do the practice now and just rest. Very simple. Nothing to do and nowhere to go. And we'll close with a poem. This is a poem that's inspired by the early Buddhist nuns. So it's an interpretation by Maddie Weingast. And this poem is called Mitta, Mitta, which is translated as friend. Full of trust, you left home and soon learned to walk the path making yourself a friend to everyone and making everyone a friend. When the whole world is your friend, fear will find no place to call home. And when you make the mind your friend, you'll know what trust really means. Listen, I have followed this path of friendship to its end. And I can say with absolute certainty, it will lead you home. I followed this path of friendship to its end. And I can say with absolute certainty, it will lead you home. Thank you so much for your practice. And if you have energy, this period from 8 to 8.30 can be one of the most important walking periods, I find. Because if you're out of balance some way from the day, working with something, or if you're feeling like this strange kind of 
hyper-stimulated or whatever you're feeling, the slow walking will actually help balance your energy, as Bruni was saying. So if you have a little bit in you still to do at least some slow walking, it will also help you for those who have insomnia. I can say for myself, slow walking is so helpful before you go to sleep. So even just to do some of it. And then at 8.30, you'll see on our schedule, if you would like to do our last session with us, we'll be here. Some of us will be here with you. And there are chant sheets. I think you saw many of you have them already, the yellow or uh, orange ones. So we'll be doing this chant, which is a, a heart practices chant. It has all four of them in there. So we'll be doing this during the 8.30 session every day, and then you'll see because we'll be adding on a heart practice every day as we go. Okay? So have a good walking period, and we'll see you back here at 8.30. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.